Running up the score. You're listening to the Running Up the Score podcast. Now here's your hosts, Jerry Napoleonello and Kevin Donlin. Welcome back to another episode of Running Up the Score. I'm Jerry Napoleonello. He's Kevin Donlin. Week 6 is here, but we're here to talk about what we saw in Week 5. Needless to say, the NFL through five weeks has been a very interesting sport. You're constantly on edge of your seat or surprised that your team may have a game, then say, hey, you're playing on Tuesday, or hey, you have a bye. Whatever it is, it's an interesting season, a season full of injuries, and of course we saw that in Week 5 as well. Let's get right into it. What we learned in Week 5. What we learned. Week 5. So we'll start off with the best story of Week 5. Alex Smith hits the field for the first time in 693 days, November 18th, 2018 to be exact, where he absolutely had his leg torn to shreds. And the fact that he's even back, let alone in a game, is just amazing and it's an amazing story in week five in a a season that's full of not so good stories (laughs) to have something like this happen although he was sacked six times after replacing Kyle Allen it sucks because of the team that he's on but just to see him back on the field you couldn't be happier for him and his family his family was in the stands when he hit the field and and just seeing the uh, the excitement and everything in his kids faces his wife even with a mask on you could see how you know excited she was to have him out there it, it was a nice I story think we see this differently because <laughs> i watched that game and i saw it live and i saw his wife and I don't she think was it's exciting. Yeah, she <laughs> yeah. was definitely very anxious about the situation. It's understandable. He is the number three, and he ends up being in a football game. Yeah. Uh, odds are, you know, when that contract was signed, they weren't planning on playing, but, you know, the two of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's an incredible story. Uh, he was a great talent, you know, very, very consistent uh, quarterback. He, he's had some great seasons with the 49ers. Some great stories out there. He's had a lot of experience in this league. And he didn't have to come back. You know, and the hard work that he put into, you know, getting that that leg back in order. It's just an incredible, incredible story. It's amazing that he was out there. You know, I just hope that offensive line can, you know, pick it up up. a little bit and prevent the six sacks like this one. (laughs) Yeah. You can't look at this game as like, all right, let's let's hope this isn't a an every week kind of thing because Aaron Donald had four four five sacks in this game. Nobody stops this guy. It doesn't matter who you are. Nobody's gonna stop no, him. Not at you all. could have the no, best absolutely. line in the league. He's still gonna get some pressure. So you know the fact that Alex Smith's leg held up and he made it through the game. You gotta be excited for him. Be excited for his family just to see him back out there after everything he's gone through, the numerous amount of surgeries, the infections that he had, the way that his leg looks. It just everything turns out to be very good on his part. The fact that it's 693 days when he hits the field again. So it's just it's an amazing story. And then, you know, you go from that story to uh, a heartbreaking story, the worst story of week five. And Dak Prescott leaving the game against the Giants after breaking his ankle. 
compound fracture and a dislocation of his ankle. He had successful surgery. He's out of the hospital now. He will miss four to six months. So obviously that is his season. His season is over. And there's a lot that goes into this. Now we've been talking over and over for the last couple of months before the season started and everything like that was all about his contract. And, you know, when you look at this, this is one of the reasons why or the reason why NFL players hold out. This is the reason because you're never guaranteed that next game. You're never guaranteed that next day in the NFL. And the fact that this happened to him, who knows? I mean, you could have been Alex Smith, and Alex Smith probably should not be playing right now. This is a guy that absolutely shredded his leg, and you would have never saw him again. But the fact that he just kept going, going, rehabbing all this, and the fact that he was able to get back onto the field is a miracle as itself. When it comes to Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott, yeah, he got franchise tagged. Yes, he's getting paid $34 million this year. But he doesn't have that long-term contract. As much as medicine and, you know, hospitalization and all that has kind of, you know, obviously been totally revitalized and, you know, just how good it is and how much an ACL now, an ACL tear, which could have been detrimental for a player back in the day is now like putting a Band-Aid on, you know, in, in the NFL now. They, they miss one year, they're back better than ever. I don't think this is the end of Dak Prescott, obviously, but just the fact that there was a chance, there is a chance that he may not play again. This whole contract issue went down. It's heartbreaking in a way. You look at both sides of it. You understand it. Either way, I think Dak Prescott's going to get paid. It really doesn't matter. To me, like it doesn't, but just the fact that the contract played a role in this and just, you know, stuff like that is, you know, it sucks. And, you know, you never want to see something like that. And you saw how choked up he was crying on the field as he's getting carted off. Like you never want to see a player like that. doesn't matter who it is. doesn't matter what team they're on, if they're hated or not. It's something that you don't want to ever see in the NFL, you know, for any team. Yeah, it was uh, a very unfortunate event. Uh, You know, you had to feel for the guy. Yeah, he's a human being like the rest of us. And, you know, and, you know, it talks about when everyone else even gets hurt, even dating back to Alex Smith, like you said, you feel for these guys. You know, they are human beings. They make a lot of money. And the reason why they make a lot of money is because they are risking their their body. Well, your body's your temple. So it's the most important thing to keep your health. And your health is jeopardized on the NFL football field. There's no doubt about it. You step foot on there you're potentially there's a chance you can get hurt playing this game as a human being it's a huge so it's a horrible horrible situation these guys always take this risk when they play this game and it's just unfortunate what happened Dak. it was a very very gruesome injury you know to the point where it had to be censored even on espn because it was just it was really it was really bad and unfortunately for Dak, you know his future is in doubt uh, especially with f- football. He's a very knowledgeable man, though. There's a lot of possibilities in the game of football, aside from being a player, if it ever came down to it, just on the basis that this is just a very difficult injury. People have talked about Theismann when they talk about this injury right now, and yeah. he never came back. It's very unfortunate. This is unfortunately the risk all these players take when they step foot on that field, and there's no doubt about it. Like I said, it's upsetting to see 
sucks for Cowboy fans all around. It sucks for Dak Prescott. It sucks for the NFL because you saw just the the man that Dak Prescott is, not just the player, the fact that he had people all over, athletes, celebrities, people tweeting about him over and over just shows what kind of guy he is, not just a player. It just shows the support that exactly. you know, these guys have for each other. It's, it's a family. Moving on to some un- other unfortunate news. Obviously, this is what we're dealing with this year. COVID is a thing. And it strikes again. And there's a lot of schedule changes. And I'm going to run through them real quick. We'll talk about them after. But the Bills... They'll host the Chiefs October 19th instead of October 15th. The Broncos by moves from week 8 to week 5. They're at Patriots in week 6. They host the Chargers in week 8, host the Dolphins in week 11. The Chargers by week moves from week 10 to week 6, host the Jaguars in week 7, at Broncos in week 8, at Dolphins in week 10, host the Jets in week 11. Chiefs at Bills October 19th instead of October 15th. Dolphins host the Jets week 6. By moves from week 11 to week 7. Host Chargers in week 10. At the Broncos in week 11. The Jaguars are at Chargers in week 7. Their bye week moves from week 7 to week 8. The Jets at Dolphins in week 6. By moves from week 11 to week 10. At the Chargers in week 11. And then the Patriots bye week moves from week 6 to week 5. And host the Broncos in week 6. I hope everybody got that. Those yeah, are the think, changes. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. <laughs> yeah. So this is the stuff that we're dealing with now. You know, you can look at a team right now and say, all right, this is our schedule. But I can guarantee you most of it's going to change because that's just what we're dealing with this year. The fact that right now we're recording this on a Tuesday and there's a game going on right now between the mm-hmm. Bills and the Titans. So the fact that the Titans even hit the field is a miracle on its own. You know, you look at some of these teams, their bye weeks are changing. So that, I feel like, is where the biggest issue comes in because, you know, you get your schedule and you're like, all right, our bye week is week eight. We're right in the middle of the season. That's perfect. We'll play seven games right before. Then we'll play another eight games after whatever it is. The fact that these guys are like, all right, yeah, we had a week eight bye. Now we have a week five bye. And now we have to play the whole rest of the season now without any time off. And this was a time off that we probably didn't need, first of all. And second of all, you know, you don't want it this early in the season. And this is where it's going to come into play. Like, this is this is not only affecting the schedules. It's affecting these teams going forward. It just makes for, I guess, interesting football, if you want to say. It. It's like a soap opera, basically. You know, we you never know when your team's going to play and when they're not going to play. <laughs> it yeah. comes down to, you know, and now they're talking about testing on game day. So that's also interesting. Although they're not going to get the results that day, they'll get the results probably the next day or the week, the day after, and it just helps with contact tracing. I know what the NFL is doing. It's it's a great job what they're doing. Listen, this is not easy what they're dealing with right now. Changing schedules on the fly, changing schedules within 2 days. Like it's it's a constant battle right now. And I'm I'm interested to see how the rest of the season. We're only 5 weeks in. We're going into week 6 now. It's been a heck of a ride, really. No, absolutely. There's no doubt COVID-19 has hit the NFL in full throttle. And going forward, uh, it's very unpredictable. And its basis is basically uh, even a possibility of a false positive. From a fantasy standpoint, this game, Buffalo and Tennessee, was very difficult to trust these players to be put into the game on Tuesday. 
on the basis that they don't end up playing or test on Tuesday morning comes back positive, even a false positive, which is possible. It means that you're not playing your game that day, which means that you're not getting your points that day for that particular week. So it's a risk. It's a new aspect to fantasy football. It's yeah. actually, an, it's basically like a new rule added to the game and you're going to do your best judgment. There are a lot of people out there that decided to go with Diggs and Henry and AJ Brown, Buffalo defense. Like there's a lot of options out there, Tannehill and Josh Allen, a lot of options to put in your lineup. And if you were willing to risk them playing or not, you know, you get the reward if they do end up playing, but if they don't play, then here we are with a new predicament. (laughs) You know, what we've been kind of talking about for the whole season, really, is just how home field advantage is really non-existent. And the fact that through Monday, the home team are 39, 36, and 1. Yeah, I saw a funny stat the other day with San Francisco. They said they've lost all three of their games at home, and the only games they've won are in New York. Those were the only games they've won have been in New York. Every other game has been home. And every other game they've lost, so it's just an interesting stat there. Yeah, and then you have like the Rams are the Rams are undefeated against the NFC East. They're four and zero. This is probably (laughs) arguably one of the highest scoring seasons that you're going to probably ever see overall. Absolutely, on the basis that it's very very difficult to stop a team on the basis that you know everybody can communicate no matter where they are. You're not going to get enough noise even from thirteen thousand or whatever fans are going to these Miami and Jacksonville games. You're not going to get enough impact to affect the game with the sound being so loud. You know, these quarterbacks have no problem communicating. You know, you got to remember they used to have silent counts. It's not even a a thing right now in the NFL. (laughs) It's non-existent. It's really just an aspect of football that's non-existent. And it's leading to a lot more scoring, a lot of teams being on the same page more often and executing. I mean, it's really all about executing. You know, that's the most important stat in football is executing, making sure that you run the play correctly to, you know, get the appropriate amount of yardage. Some of the teams are benefiting without having their fans in their home stadium because some of these teams will probably get booed out of their own stadium. Probably better on their their behalf, especially, uh, you know, Philly. <laughs> <We're>... Doug Peterson. <laughs> yeah, and we've what... talked about this over and over oh, again. Yeah, I'm I still confused as to what he's doing as the head coach of Philadelphia, and I'm surprised what Adam Gase is still doing as the head coach of the New York Jets. You know, I don't want to really go off topic, but it's just abysmal that neither one of these teams have yet to fire their head coach. Yeah. Because it's it's really both situations are quite abysmal. And th- there's no repairing no. at this point. One of the teams that I could see beating the Cowboys because anybody's been able to do anything against the Cowboys defense, what the Browns were able to do against the Cowboys, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, Cleveland has a lot of weapons, but they just can't get it going against a good team. They actually got it together against a good team. They they beat the Colts this week. And if you really didn't think it was for real, considering they put 32 points and 385 yards against the Indianapolis Colts, who were the top-ranked defense in both statistics, the fact that you were able to put up that many points and that many yards against a team that's number one in each of those is impressive. We have a new segment called under the microscope and you know maybe the browns will end up in there one of these weeks for a quick quick question here like are the browns for real like what do you got for me are are the browns for real today is this a team that could potentially 
maybe fight for a wild card. I'll keep it short and sweet on that answer. I don't know the name of this new guy that's coaching in Cleveland. I don't know his name. I don't know who the head coach is. You probably know it. Don't tell me. It'll It'll be even funnier. Freddie Kitchens was the coach before that. This man is not Freddie Kitchens. I don't care who he is, but he's doing it right. <laughs> and Freddie Kitchens wasn't doing it right. It's very clear cut. They have enough talent on this roster. Miles Garrett is a once-in-a-lifetime type player. He is up there with Aaron Donald and Von Millers, all those great players of the world, the J.J. Watts, that make difference. They make a big difference in the game. Miles Garrett is that man. There's Absolutely. no doubt he was that man last year, too. It's just... He lost half the year because he decided to swing his helmet <laughs> at a player. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm still mystified by that. But, again, you learn from stupid things like that. You know, that was a, just a in the moment. Very competitive out there on that Absolutely. football field. You know, it's a battleground. You know, unfortunately, he got it, his emotions got the best of him. And, but he is a great talent. And Cleveland has that. 100%. As well as their great offense. But guys like Beckham and Lance. Landry Landry made an incredible catch the other day. Okay, I watched an incredible catch by him. It's only a matter of time before I even see even more incredible catches coming from Odell. There's no doubt the talent's there at wide receiver. The quarterback situation with Baker Mayfield, this kid can get it done. And And you know what's funny? You're not seeing him talk as much as you used to. You You notice that? Absolutely. You notice how you're not hearing him as much as you used to. 100%. And they're performing. Yeah. And you know what? I think they're very zoned in. I think this new head coach... Again, don't know his name. Kevin Stefanski. But he is doing it right. <laughs> doing an amazing job. Give but, all the credit to him at this point because he had practically the same team. To be honest with you, I think the best part of their offense is Nick Chubb. I think that's They're the doing best a great part. Job. And, you know, and I, you know what? Cream and then Hunt even having in, Kareem Hunt. This guy Johnson comes in. They still <laughs> yeah. run the football. They're I doing know. an amazing job. Cleveland's not the Cleveland that I've grown up knowing. The new Cleveland Go- is the New York Jets. <laughs> you know, one head coach that's doing a fantastic job. To another one that just got relieved of his duties. And a GM also getting relieved of his duties. Both in Atlanta. Thomas Dimitrov and Dan Quinn both got the boot after starting 0-5 this year. To me, it's warranted. It should have happened a little earlier, I feel like. I think after the Cowboy game, that that was like... That was that would be the last straw for me because you already had the whole thing that happened in the Super Bowl with both these guys still under their job title. You have that happen, and then you go into a game with the Dallas Cowboys. You put up, like, 400 yards on offense, and you had a 21-3 to lead or whatever it was, and you lose that game. And I don't even care about the, the comeback, just the fact that the onside kick happened. Like, that right there should have – I wouldn't even let Dan Quinn left the stadium without firing him. But they waited – they go 0 and 5. They lose to a Panthers team now that are 3 and 0 without Christian McCaffrey, the so-called best running back in the league, arguably in, in my opinion. But I think the Panthers are doing a great job. You have the Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov being fired in Atlanta. But before we even get to Carolina, I want to talk about something that happened in interview with Arthur Blank yesterday I think it was or it might have been today talking about the the firing of Dan Quinn and you know Dimitrov he basically said you know we're hoping that Matt Ryan will be a part of that plan 
So obviously, you know, people are reading between the lines now. Like it was never said, oh, we're going to trade Matt Ryan. We're going to release him, whatever it is. He has a high salary cap number. So that's one thing, first of all. He's also, I think, 35 or 36 years old. He's getting up there in age. They're 0-5. So they are fighting for that number one seed for the draft. (laughs) And maybe we see a trade. And there's a few teams that we could probably plop in there if we're talking about a trade. You want me to get started on the list of reasons why that's just ridiculous. First of all, it's all reading between the lines. That's what the media does. And being that we're in the media, we're going to do it. How about that? I want to hear how you feel about that. You know, you really believe they should trade him or because you said it's ridiculous. So I'm guessing you're the other way on that. Matt Ryan makes too much money, and Matt Ryan is a good player. This team is going to turn it around. They're not going to lose every single game this year. That's going to belong to the New York Jets. And this is, like, legitimate truth. <laughs> yeah. The New York Giants are pretty awful as well right now yeah, because yeah. they they just finding ways to lose, can't score points. And then we're talking we, – we've talked about it nonstop about how offenses are having an easy job at scoring, and these two offenses cannot get it together. I don't think it's just a quarterback problem. I think it's both coaching – as well as a quarterback problem on both teams. But I think with new coaching and a new situation, you have Matt Ryan. There's no doubt they've been able to move the ball at times fluidly. And, you know, you got guys like Gurley. This team was ready to win now. It wasn't ready to go 0-5. They're going to find ways to win games. They're not going to get the number one overall pick. You get another asset. You get the first overall pick. You get a little bit more cap room opened up. And then you got Julio, Matt Ryan, Ridley, you got a couple of guys on that defense. That's a great job. Guys are going to want that job. The, the New York I mean, Jets fired their head coach. Nobody wants that job. It's like, oh, well, I'm getting set up for failure on that one. But Atlanta's not set up for failure. They have a lot of talent. And, you know, you get a couple of draft picks going your way in the first round. You get yourself maybe another defensive player, difference maker. Team changes the, the whole the whole course. That's I it's think it's a job you want. That's the situation with Atlanta right now. You keep Matt Ryan. You keep your core. It's a good winning football team. They've lost those games, Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn lost those games. Those games were I mean, all winnable. To be honest with you, though, exactly what you said. They're in win now mode, and they're zero five. When do you get to that point where it's like, all right, well, we can't win now with the team that we have. And I know you know there there are a couple of pieces they're here still and there. Find ways. But I just feel like you know what. If you really look at it, you're looking at 0-5, you're, you're not going to make the playoffs. We know that. It's not going to happen. Let me ask you something. The Dallas Cowboys next week go and take on the Atlanta Falcons. Who wins? Probably the Falcons. They're going to find ways to win games. That's like my perfect uh, example right there. But the and thing, I'm not discrediting. Dallas got a lot of injuries. Yeah. But this is what I mean. Like They're going to find ways to win a couple of games. You know, it doesn't really matter who they're going to end up playing. They're they're still going to go out there and play, and they're going to go and ball. Matt Ryan's a great player. That offense has been moving the ball all season. I had their kicker. He's one of the best kickers in fantasy football. Oh, I know. And like if you think can't finish drives. If you think about it though, you look at Matt Ryan. What do you think if they actually do make him available? What do you think they get back for him? I just don't think it makes sense because they probably get like a third. Because of the salary. Um, As a team, I'd be like, I'm not paying this kid all this money and then giving you an asset in return. How does that make sense on our part? No, and 100%. You should be giving us 
an asset as well as Matt Ryan because of how much money he makes because he basically takes over an entire salary cap. What so if, there's no trade here happening. What if they made... I'd be genuinely shocked. What if they made Julio Jones available? Possibly, but the injury risk right now, there's not Well, a lot yeah, that's, that's hot, second but rounder. I mean, it's just... You can still get a second rounder, though, I think. Absolutely. I so that's... Easily get a second rounder. It's, Maybe it's a interesting. First, they it's could, most likely a second. Basically, Arthur Blank made it somewhat obvious that he wants, without really saying it, he wants the new head coach to make the the deal on Matt Ryan if Matt Ryan stays or not. I love Matt much like I love you know Dan. I love Thomas. Uh, Matt's been a you know franchise leader for us. A great quarterback, one of the leading quarterbacks in the last uh, 13 years in the NFL. So. I um, I hope he's going to be part of our plans going forward, but that'll be a decision that I won't make. Uh, you know, Matt uh, is is have has the ability to play at a very high level even at this age. Whether that's going to continue or not, I'm I'm not sure. Um, I appreciate his willingness to consider doing that and uh, and the level of what he's played for for us for 13 years, which has been incredible. Uh, so I I will have to see. But then again, that's going to be a decision at the end of the day. That'll be. Part of it would be up to the player and part of it would be up to the coaching staff and whether or not, you know, Matt can keep himself together and, and uh, God willing, he'll be able to do that and play at the level that he's capable of playing at. He also said, if Matt Ryan holds up, we would love to have him back. So basically, there was it people... people money he was making before, well, yeah. and I think that'll make a big point. People were reading between the lines like, you know, is Matt Ryan thinking about retirement? If he Possibly. has to say, we don't know. That's really exactly. up in the air right now. So there was a lot of things in this interview with well, that's Arthur on Blank. Beat writers, they better start asking the right questions. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it, it's interesting what's going on in Atlanta. But Atlanta loses to the Panthers, who moved three and zero without Christian McCaffrey. Their offense just seems like it's flowing better. We said this last week. It's not like they were forcing it to Christian McCaffrey. But it's just the fact that Christian McCaffrey's on the field and he's the best player on the field that you kind of want to get the ball to him. And that's how it is with some of these teams. When you start to get to a point where you start using everybody on the field, it gets a little different for for an offense. Sometimes it gets better. And right now with the Panthers, it's getting better. You know, Mike Davis is doing what he has to do at running back. Teddy Bridgeporter is doing what he has to do at quarterback. So it's interesting that they're 3-0. and This team beats up on Atlanta. And you kind of got to look at it and say, listen, can the Panthers make a wild card spot? You know, are they a decent team? Because, I mean, if you you keep winning and then you add Christian McCaffrey to a winning team so far, I mean, it's only going to make you better. Agreed. You know, how do you feel? Like, do you feel like this team can fight for a wild card spot? No. I just don't think Teddy Bridgewater is good enough, and I don't think uh, their defense is well at all. I just There's no I, way. They don't handle I mean, this division at all. Right the Saints now it's will have so, no problem with them both games. Tampa Bay will have no problem with them. It's I'm so it's so up in the air though because we're seeing you know, we're seeing a Saints team that's usually dominant. And we'll get into them in a little bit because they're in uh, our they were missing under- some corners. Uh, but but that's what I'm saying. Like I just I feel like to me, Drew Brees is playing a little differently. Again, like like I said, we're gonna talk about this in our segment, but when you look at the outlook of the NFC you're looking at the NFC East that is like, does anybody want to win this division? You have big-time no. injuries. <laughs> you know, then you look at 
you know, just other teams in this conference, you know, like the Saints. The Saints, you know, will have a, an amazing game one game, and then the next week they, you know, are a dud. To me, this is this is such a wide-open year because of what's going on and the way that the, the year's been going. I just feel like if, if the Panthers can keep playing the way they are after an 0-2 start, they're 3-2 and now. Listen, it's a long season, a lot of stuff to go on. Still early on, but from what I've seen from Carolina, I don't know if Teddy Bridgewater is consistent enough, and I don't know if the defense is consistent enough. And we'll see. The season goes along. I mean, again, this is why we do this, you know, but Carolina is playing really good bo- football right now. You know, Robbie Anderson is playing great for them right now. DJ Moore is great. Losing McCaffrey is brutal, but they'll get him back, and you'll add somebody like Mike Davis even, too, to take a little bit of the shade off McCaffrey because, yeah. let's be honest, he is playing a lot of downs. And they're unnecessary. He's a great talent, but he's you know he's good to have out there. But a lot of downs for him, and sometimes you just need a break. You know, we're all human, and uh, you know if you want to keep that explosiveness and not get hurt again yeah. as well. So there's a lot more that'll go into it as Carolina moves on the rest of the season. You know who's been great? The quarterback in Seattle. Seattle Seahawks moved to five and zero. Russell Wilson adds three more touchdowns to increase his total to 16. be honest, is Jeff, I can't wait for this 30-second overall pick <laughs> in that trade with Jamal Adams. I'm very pumped for that. Definitely shouldn't have traded the Cowboys for CeeDee Lamb in the first. Definitely shouldn't have did that. They're one in, what are they, two and three yeah. right now? Yeah, that's not yeah. bad. It'll be a mediocre pick at least. No, but uh, honestly, uh, he's Russell on pace Wilson for 61 this incredible, year. Incredible, yeah. incredible player. He is probably the most knowledgeable player in the NFL right now, no doubt. He's got just, the experience. He's been to Super Bowls. He's done his thing. So I think the biggest thing I, with uh, him. I definitely credit him. The biggest thing with him is just how bad their defense is. And the fact that he's still carving up defenses, putting this team in a position to win games and have not lost a game with the way that the defense has played, it's, it's unbelievable. They should have lost this game. Now, I want to know how you feel about this because this is, you know, Sunday night football. Vikings go down. It's about two minutes left. I think they're at like the seven-yard line, eight-yard line, whatever it was. They get stopped on third down. It was third down and one or whatever. It gets to fourth down and one. They decide to go for it rather than kick a field goal with a five-point lead to make it an eight-point lead to make – Sure, Russell Wilson. All right, we're gonna give it. We're gonna give him the ball with about a minute fifty left, plenty of time. Instead of making him go for the full length of the field, get a touchdown and get the two point conversion in a minute fifty with I think two timeouts left. I think they had the fact that he went for it. Now, if you have Dalvin Cook in that game, I understand it, but there is no Dalvin Cook. And you hand the ball off. Obviously, he gets stuffed. Seahawks drive down the field, score the touchdown. They win. Overall, I think it's a boneheaded move, to be totally honest with you. I think you should have kicked the field goal. Make it harder for Russell Wilson. Because right now, nothing is hard for Russell Wilson. Make it somewhat no, it's harder. It's not a bad move at all. I think it's a great move, actually, what he did. Because uh, I don't like be the honest, play call. Defense can't stop a team from scoring. There was no way they were stopping him on the two point conversion. They just weren't. I don't like the play they call. Could not stop him. They didn't have a cornerback in that game that stood with DK Metcalf. And it's just too big. And I understand because you know the weather definitely played a role because it was raining. I understand all and of you that. You ran the ball really, really well the whole I just, game. 
I don't like the play call because and right there, you ran the ball well all game. Do a play action. Play action, bootleg, you have good wide receivers. You're putting the ball in the hands of Dalvin Cook's backup. And don't get me wrong, Madison's good. But I, I don't know. I there's there's a lot to go into it and obviously it didn't work. So, you know, this gives us the you know, the reason to talk about this, you know, because we could have said the same thing about the Saints last night with, you know, giving the biggest play of the game, taking Drew Brees and putting him on the sideline to put in Taysom Hill. Right then and there, I'm questioning it, and then he ends up scoring the touchdown, so I'm not questioning it anymore. That's what it comes down to. You have, like, they didn't get it, so we're questioning it. They got it, we don't question it. You know, that's just how it goes. I don't want to get off that subject for a second, but a streaming option of her keeper would be Taysom Hill. They might use him a lot. They they like uh, to use him a lot, like the, to the point where people don't like him <laughs> because Sean yep. Payton uses him a lot. He's a streaming option for fantasy football as a quarterback. If you want to have him catch passes and everything else too, get plenty of reps, he'll get 10 to 15 touches. The Steelers are 4-0 for the first time since 1979. They also did it in 1978. They won the Super Bowl both of those years. They beat up on the Eagles. I'm like, very surprised by that. They've always had good teams. Really good teams, if you really think about it. Yeah, and they so won a Super Bowl. They, they they, you know, they won. They won the first what? Time since that long. They won two Super Bowls in that that span, or three. I think it was two. They beat up on the Eagles. Right now, the Eagles are one of those teams that just make themselves relevant in each week of our what we learned podcast mm-hmm. because it's just we find different ways to ridicule Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz because Carson Wentz is playing absolutely dreadful. I don't care what anybody says. The reason why they were able to to stay afloat the previous seasons because they weren't good the previous seasons. Carson Wentz just played well. And right now, Carson Wentz is not playing well. And Doug Peterson is putting him in positions that when you're not playing well... It makes you look even worse. It's just not looking good in Philly. They're adding fans now this week coming up, so I'm guaranteeing we're going to hear some boos. That's going to be fun. Doug Peterson's definitely finding himself on that that hot seat because you're looking at it now, back-to-back weeks, coach has been fired. So we're going to start seeing some of these guys go down. And, you know, I would not be surprised if Gase is one of them. I would not be surprised if Doug Peterson's one of them. The fact that Dan Quinn... And Bill O'Brien, who I felt like had better teams than both of these teams, the Jets or the Eagles, the fact that they're able to fire their coach, uh, there's it, there's no saving these guys. And I don't understand yeah. why they're still head coaches. I already did my last shot about oh, that. Oh, I know. I know, absolutely. <laughs> Going on, talking about the Eagles, we'll talk about an ex-Eagles quarterback, a guy that actually won a Super Bowl, not Carson Wentz. Nick Foles beats... Tom Brady again. Are we are we in like the uh, Eli Manning, Tom Brady, like kryptonite kind of thing here with Nick Foles? Because we saw a lot of stuff in this game that was something that you didn't really see much of with Tom Brady in his long career. What I'm seeing right now, more than anything, is just how good Chicago is as a full team. They, they are really, really, really good. And what happens is... They're just missing a quarterback. Nick yeah. Foles is doing a decent job, but if they had a great quarterback, this team would no doubt probably not have lost a game all yet, like yet this season. Their defense has been very good, and it, there's more than Khalil Mack there. 
Oh yeah, I, a lot absolutely. Of great players there. He's just the leader there, and you know he'll be the one I mentioned. But that defense overall is just very, very intimidating, and they are very, very good. So I credit Chicago and having just a more complete team. Tampa Bay, you know, they're no slouch either. These are two really good teams that went at it. It's a great game on Thursday night, whether you like to see it or not, on the basis of you know good defense. What you were saying, they need a quarterback, and you know what, Matt Ryan, Trevor Lawrence. I saw. I, I saw Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, that too. I saw. Let's be honest. I don't know if the Jets or Giants really want to go. I don't think they the do. Quarterback route. But and that's the thing. That's a, you know because we saw a a report go out saying that an opposing NFL GM doesn't feel like the Jets can get much for Sam Darnold. The no, fact they that they're even talking about trading this guy is is you know amazing to me because I even tweeted it out. I said. Sam Darnold's not the issue. Sam Darnold is not the issue. It's the no. rest of the team, first of all. And second of all, it's your coach. Sam Darnold's a guy that you can build around. So the fact that, you know, they're even talking about trading him to the Bears or trading him somewhere, like, what are you thinking? You know, I understand with the Falcons trading Matt Ryan because, yeah, he is owed a lot of money, and, yeah, he's getting up there in age. So why not look for maybe a younger quarterback the Bears, yeah, they're looking for a quarterback. And you know what? Matt Ryan, you know, guys like that, these these guys that, you know, need a team, possibly, you know, these teams need some more, you know, draft picks or whatever, just trying to rebuild. This is a team that could look for a quarterback like that. So it's interesting when it comes to the Bears. The Bears, you know, win this one 20 to 19. And like that's where you're you're talking like, yeah, you know, if they did have a quarterback, they would be pretty damn good and pretty damn scary to play, even though they are right now. Moving on to a rookie quarterback, Joe Burrow. Looked like a rookie the first time this season, basically. They lose twenty seven to three to Baltimore. We expected it. Baltimore's defense is one of the best top five, top three in the league right now. The Ravens have rushed for at least 100 yards in 28 consecutive regular season games. Only three teams since 1970 merger have had a longer run with that. So the Bengals just hit a a monster, basically, when it comes to it. You know, they're a monster on defense. You have a rookie quarterback with a terrible offensive line. You know, he, he got beat up. He had 183 yards passing and interception. He looked like a rookie, but you know what? I think anybody could really look like a rookie against the Baltimore Ravens except Patrick Mahomes. Even on offense, the Ravens, like I said, rushed for at least 100 yards. This is like, the Ravens are a scary team, but you know what? They still have the Chiefs in that in that conference. So, you know, they have to beat the Chiefs to be even able to get to that Super Bowl. So it's going to be interesting in the AFC. It's going to come down to these two teams. But yeah, like, you love what you're seeing from Joe Burrow. This game was just, a you know... You, you hit a monster, basically. You know, you're going up against a very good defense. It, it's going to be tough for anybody. It doesn't mean, you know, you're a rookie. Like, that's – you're playing the Baltimore Ravens. So, it's tough, you know, for a guy like that going up against a defense. So, we'll move on to our new segment. Under the Microscope. This is a segment that we're going to talk about five teams, players, whatever it is, and we're just going to give our opinion on them. So – We'll start off with the first team. We started talking about them a little bit before. The Saints. New Orleans Saints. The Saints are a team, to me, that they're up and down. You know, we saw them yesterday in the Monday night game against the Chargers. Now, we both picked the Chargers to win that game. Of course we won. Oh, and I have to say, listen, we went 6-0. Oh. Uh, correction, I did take the Saints 
to win it. With you, the yeah, but covering. but the charges coming. But we're going by the Nailed points it. here. <laughs> we're going by the points here. So so I have to say we went six and zero in our picks this week. So uh, you know maybe look out for our picks this week. I don't know. Maybe I'll win you money. And if you do win money, please send Certainly us some. Certainly not taking them. <laughs> yeah. So I don't take but, my own picks. But go on. If I do. <laughs> <laughs> but going on to the Saints here, the first half they they kind of looked dreadful. Justin Herbert looked really good. He threw all over the Saints defense. But I think the scariest part of this team is just the way that Drew Brees is playing, because you know what, Drew Brees was always that constant. When it comes to the Saints, every year they were going to go out and they were going to put points on the board. Their defense was up and down every year, whether they're really good or they're really bad. They always put up points. And the thing that's scary to me when it comes to the Saints is that you're seeing a little bit of human in Drew Brees. And maybe it is. He's getting up there in age, obviously. You know, I don't want to say washed like everybody on Twitter was saying last night. You know, he's, he's showing some human in him. And to me, is this team, or like a question for you, I guess, is this team going to be there at the end? Like, can they can they go for a Super Bowl? Because in my opinion, I don't think they can. Because you know what? Their defense was, in the beginning of the season, their defense was like, wow, their defense is good, but now it's just kind of like tapering off, and I know injuries are playing a role, but still, they're they're an okay defense, to me at least. You can't go on the show and say that you think Seattle and their intimidating defense is one of the best teams in the NFC, and then you're going to completely write off the Saints. I'm not writing them off by any means. You're going to see the Saints in there at the very end with a potential chance of being in the Super Bowl. Drew Brees is executing the game plan. And for all I see, I see long, sustaining drives. And the teams that you're going to beat when you have long, sustaining drives are going to be the teams with the Mahomeses, you know, the teams with the Rodgers. Keep Rodgers off the field. Keep Wilson off the field. That's how you're going to beat them. I think the Saints have the perfect formula to go ahead and find a way to win games, especially late in the season, and end up being in the playoffs. And uh, NFC crown does not seem unrealistic by any means to me. There and is some talent in the NFC. The, the Packers look great. The Seahawks look great. But the Saints are a very, very good team. Like you said, injuries have been an impact. No Michael Thomas, big impact. Kamara's a – I don't even have words to describe what that kid does on the field. I don't know anybody else. Do you know anybody else that's anything close to what he does on a football field? The biggest part of They're his game is just receiving. I not mean, even the, close. The catch Yo, that he made taking yesterday. hits and still yeah. going forward. He knows how to shift his weight, his body weight. It's incredible. His balance is ridiculous. The Saints have a very good team. Yeah. Drew Brees might take a step back, but Camaro will take that step right back forward. And I just kind of want to rebut what you rebutted towards me. I understand the the comparison. Yeah, the Seahawks defense is dreadful. But Russell Wilson's playing at a whole nother level. And you know the and fact he has that to consistently do that against good. Defenses. Oh, and, and yeah, I while, while Drew Brees will have the field against the Seahawks defense. You see what? Yeah, I'm no, I here? yeah, I I'm 110 percent agreeing with you. I I'm just saying there's you know some kind of uneasiness when it comes to the Saints because you don't really know what you're gonna see from week to week. You know they can have one week that they're absolutely dominant, and they have another week that it comes down to a you know an overtime, a game that they should have lost if a guy actually kicks a field goal right. So it, it's it, it's up in the air with the Saints to me, 
but we'll talk about the Chargers now. Justin Herbert. Los Angeles Chargers. What we've Big been fan. seeing from him. I mean. Big fan. Very good talent. I am a uh, huge the fan. future of the NFL. Very Absolutely. good talent. A future great player. I see it from his ability to make throws with pressure. And that's really the difference maker there. And that's what makes him a better player. And I've seen it firsthand. And uh, I'm on the Herbert train. He's a he's a great player. You know what? I'm I'm such a fan. Such a fan of his. You know, just the way he throws the ball. You know, he can elude any kind of pressure. The the calmness of him in the pocket. You know, if he has to break the pocket, he breaks the pocket. He, you know, yeah, he he has some rookie throws here and there, but you know what? What what I'm seeing from Justin Herbert and what I'm seeing from Joe Burrow as well. You know, these two guys are the future of the NFL. And, you know, we were talking about Patrick Mahomes being the future, Lamar Jackson being the future. We have a heck of a future coming up with the NFL. I mean, between all these quarterbacks, you can even put Dak Prescott in there with Russell Wilson. You know, the quarterbacks in this league right now, we have more than half in this league right now that are absolute solid quarterbacks. And it's amazing to watch. And you're watching one right now with the Bills and the Titans and, you know, Josh Allen. I, you know, I'm so, I'm so high on Josh Allen as well. You know, I think it's going to take a little longer for him to get to that point because I think Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow are right there right now. They just have, I mean, Joe Burrow has a worse team, but I think Justin Herbert has actually a pretty good team around him. He has a great defense. You know, if he can have Keenan Allen stay on the field and Mike Williams with some of the catches that he makes, he has a solid team and Eckler's got to stay on the field. I think they need to work on their offensive line because their offensive line, a lot of the guys are hurt, but I think the Chargers, for a couple of years ahead of us now, I think they're going to be a very, very good team. A very good team. Yeah, I absolutely agree. We move on to the next under the microscope, the Las Vegas Raiders. Las Vegas Raiders. I want you to start with this one because you had them last in this division, and I'm not going to lie, I had them last too. How do you feel about the Las Vegas Raiders? The Raiders, they've done a great job. You know, I'm definitely proven wrong on that one, no doubt. I, I didn't think their defense was going to be this good. Abram is a very good player at the safety position, a very emerging player that I uh, was unaware of, and he's doing the best he can right now. That offense still very inconsistent. Finally got the ball downfield a lot more. Derek Carr is playing really good, though, right now. Like, really good. Derek Carr is playing very good right now. There's no doubt. He's definitely proving me wrong. He finally started to throw the ball downfield because his last week was an embarrassment. <laughs> you know, trying to go to your check down so much that Bill Belichick double teams and you get caught doing, you know, looking at it. You literally just got out coached there, and I think John Gruden understands that. John Gruden is still a very good head coach, and he's the sole reason as to why the Raiders were able to knock off Patrick Mahomes this week because that was an incredible game and you know you credit them all the way because they deserved it you know a lot plays into this they're obviously divisional teams you know they know a lot about each other don't get me wrong the Raiders played a flawless game against the Chiefs and you basically have to play a flawless game to beat the Chiefs you know so the fact that you were able to go and beat up um, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs essentially outcoach Andy Reid, which it doesn't seem like many coaches are doing at all. <laughs> Las Vegas, they should be happier with, with the way that they're playing, and they have to build off of this. They can't just now go back and throw out a dud and lose after a high win over the best team in the league. So 
I think yeah. that the verdict is out, you know, basically on them. You know, we'll we'll see what happens, you know, when it comes to them leading down the uh, the rest of the season. But the fact that they're even at the point that they are right now, it surprised the hell out of all of us. So absolutely. Now we go on to the second to last under the microscope, the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys. Now the Dallas Cowboys obviously lost Dak Prescott. Now I'm going to say it right now, and I understand what Tony Dungy was saying. He may have said it in the wrong way. There's a couple of guys that have said it. I do think there's potential that this team plays better without Dak Prescott. And as crazy as that may sound because of the record-setting pace that Dak Prescott was on, I said the most important stat for the last two weeks, the most important stat is time of possession. Now with Dak Prescott being hurt and out for the rest of the season and having Andy Dalton in under center, they are going to run the ball, and they are going to Wayne run Dalton's the ball a lot. Dalton's done a great job at time of possession with the Bengals over the years, and he's won a lot of games with Cincinnati. This guy's, you know, he can win games. And that's not really much more you need from your starting quarterback except just to win football games. And, exactly. Uh, that's exactly what Andy Dalton can do. Uh, he's a streaming option in fantasy football too yeah. for uh, two quarterback leagues. 100%. And I, I just, I felt like, you know, the way that this plays out. Listen, if you're able to run the ball well. And then you have the outside help that the Cowboys have in three solid wide receivers. It's only going to make Andy Dalton's life so much better. It's only going to make the defense's life so much better. The more you're on the field, the less time your defense is on the field. Period. And that's what it's going to come down to the Dallas Cowboys the rest of the season. Andy Dalton has to limit the turnovers that they haven't done all season so far. Limit the turnovers. Hold the ball on the field for as long as you can. And that's a recipe for a potential division win this year because of how bad the rest of the division is. I honestly feel that the offense and the rest of the team may play better with Andy Dalton under center. Not saying next year I want no, I agree. Andy I Dalton, still be but it. I just I like obviously no, I, I want Dak Prescott back. But I'm just saying right now, I felt good this year signing Andy Dalton, knowing that we actually have a solid backup quarterback and potentially the best backup quarterback in the league really if you think about it like yeah I'm pissed off I'm I'm upset you know not having Dak Prescott just the way that he's been playing you know whenever Dak Prescott's out there your team has a good good chance but I'm not that worried about Andy Dalton Dallas will be good regardless of uh the situation they'll be okay but I mean honestly they're just dealing with so many injuries so if they're not good they don't find ways to win games it's understandable I mean you know, the whole offensive line is out. <laughs> Except you know, you for can Zach talk Martin. about Dak getting hurt and everything. That's a big reason why. It's because yeah. those big guys were not in there. They don't have any of them. None. They don't have any of their star talent tight uh, offensive linemen. Except for Zach Martin. So it doesn't matter who's going to be that's... under center right now. They yeah. need to get these guys healthy. This team needs to get healthy. And if they can't, it's understandable. Unfortunately, this year they're really not going to get healthy because all the guys that are hurt, the, the star players that are hurt, are out for the season. You know, you have Tyron I mean, Smith so, out for you know, the going season. Going forward, I mean, Lyle if the Collins Dallas Cowboys don't win games, I wouldn't be surprised, but they'll find ways to win some. Yeah, absolutely. They have a very talented roster despite the fact that... And but, with the, you know, ha- still having to play the rest of the division, what is it, five more times? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you you like your chances, or whatever it is, six more times, seven more times, you like your chances. So, the last under the microscope is going to be something that came out today. The Jets making... Le'Veon Bell available on the trade block. New York Jets. You have 
the seat. You know, obviously, Le'Veon Bell is a great talent. The New York Jets are in absolute shambles. They're uh, more than one player away. They really need to revamp this entire team, uh, this entire system, this ent- the coaching staff. Everything needs to go. I really do like what our GM's done. But the GM's going to have to find a new head coach, someone else he likes more than Adam Gase, because uh, this is just an abysmal situation. And uh, even the fans are seeing it. The rest of the league is seeing it. Uh, while this team is under Adam Gase's control, they are no doubt the embarrassment of the NFL. And I don't blame Le'Veon Bell for walking out in two seconds. If they can get something for him, you know, a couple of draft picks or just, you know, a couple of pieces to add to what they have, you know, I don't know. I, I, Le'Veon Bell injuries played a role, you know, with him. And it's just, it's not a good team. You know, whether you have Le'Veon Bell or not, it's just, they're a struggle in and out, (laughs) you know, and I think the start has to be up top, you know, with the coach being released, but, you know, we'll see. Who knows? This just came out today, so it's interesting. You know, there's a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, back and forth between Gase and Le'Veon Bell with, you know, it's liking been, a tweet or whatever disgrace. it was. Our other segment before we get to our fantasy, where we were wrong. Well, where we went wrong. And I'll tell you right now, I was wrong for telling everybody to sit Miles Sanders. 11 carries, 80 yards, two touchdowns. Okay. But you know what? Who would have thought that was going to happen against the Pittsburgh Steelers? I'll take that on the chin. Take it for what it is. I mean, he had 80 yards rushing for the game, and he had a 76-yard run. So, you <laughs> know, one big play got the week for Miles Sanders and a, and a touchdown late in that game as well. His second really was the difference there. But uh, it's understandable that uh, you're putting up a 20. I mean, this is a guy you drafted in the first, second round. Yeah. If you're benching him, nah, I don't even have to tell you a fantasy football bar. Start him, sit him is basically like someone you don't daily want in your fantasy. lineup in yeah. a daily fantasy league. But, you know, Miles Sanders, you always got to put in your lineup. You got to sit him unless you have to put him in, yeah. which you're usually going to have to put him in because you drafted him so high or else why else would you draft him? You don't draft these players to sit them for uh, – Later uh, picks, it's, you know, it's fantasy football 101. My other one is uh, started telling everybody to start Eric Ebron. I honestly thought that he would have a decent game against Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles. Well, you just were on the basis that Pittsburgh was going to destroy Philly, and unfortunately it was a very close game. Ebron was incredible. I still Uh, picked it right, though. Steelers minus seven. I mean, that's like you calling Smith-Schuster, and honestly what happened with Claypool was incredible. Yeah. And the guy put up four touchdowns. (laughs) I mean, you spread the well. Eric Ebron is definitely a good play going forward. It really wasn't that bad of a call. It's just unfortunate. This is what happens in fantasy football. It's part of the game. Now, where you were wrong, going to where you were wrong, you told everybody to start Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram probably should have had a good game. But you know what? They beat the team 27 to 3. The fact that he didn't, you know, he only had 11 rushes, 57 yards, no touchdowns. Well, this is like your way of seeing it as, okay, well, you weren't you weren't going to have a better matchup than this with Mark Ingram. So this is like a almost a sit almost permanently for the rest of the season for him because yeah. he's just not start worthy. You know, he's touchdown based and you know, if you want to go touchdown based then good luck, I need, I need the guy that's going to be out there for the most part and you know, getting as much burned as possible. That was really only where you were wrong this week. You know, I had two, you had one, you know, so be it. But now we're going to move over to the fantasy <laughs> portion of this running up the score fantasy football advice where we were wrong. That's, that's from last week. Now we move on to this week, and hopefully we're right on everything. And hopefully next week we don't have a where we were wrong segment. Start off with the stardom sit'em. Stardom sit'em. For week six. I'm going to start off with my start quarterback. I'm going to go with Phillip Rivers 
against Cincinnati. If Philip Rivers can't put up points against Cincinnati, I don't know what to tell you. And you should be the same start. situation as you just saw, like we just talked about. He's almost going to be a sit him the rest of the year if he can't perform this week. I'm going to go with Kirk Cousins. The matchup is just too uh, too good right now, and he's had a couple of slow weeks, but you know he's always been putting up solid numbers. But I expect the beast mode week this week coming out of Kirk Cousins' side. My sick quarterback is going to be Teddy Bridgewater. It's going to get a lot tougher for Bridgewater this week as the Bears' defense has been tormenting opposing quarterbacks as a whole. They've allowed just a 57.4% completion rate, which is easily the lowest in the NFL. You're not going to see much <laughs> from Teddy Bridgewater this week. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Baker Mayfield here. I know everyone's hyping up that Cleveland offense, and they expect them to start making strides and uh, – be one of the better offenses in all football, and so that Mayfield might be a safe play in as a quarterback start. Mayfield right now this week is a tough matchup. Uh, I don't want to go anywhere near it. I think they slow down a little bit this week and definitely not put up that usual 30 ba- uh, bird that they've been putting up a lot lately. My start running back is going to be Miles Gaskin against the New York Jets. I don't it's really have to say much. play at all. Gaskin gets a lot of burn in that offense. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go with Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor's taking on Cincinnati. Same reasons why you like Phillip Rivers. This is a great matchup against a team that can't really tackle well. Taylor gets a lot of burn. I think both plays are very good this week, Gaskin and Taylor. Uh, Gaskin getting a lot of burn in that offense. My sit running back is going to be in that game as well, Joe Mixon against the Colts. The Colts, he hasn't been able to do much on the ground against a tough Baltimore defense on the bright side. This was the second straight week where he did some damage in the passing game at the expense of Gio Bernard out-targeting him 8-2. Mixon draws another tough matchup against the Colts in Week 6, and the Colts are too good of a defense for Joe Mixon to have that good of a game. I'm going to go with Miles Sanders. It's funny that you had picked him last week. Uh, This is a Baltimore matchup. It's a tough one. It's not an easy one to call. Sit him again. Again. (laughs) I'm not saying, you know, because I own Miles Sanders in the fantasy league. And you're not going to sit him. with you. Yeah. And Miles Sanders was in my starting lineup in a a pretty big league that I'm in, so... And I have him in this league again, and I will be putting him in this week because I have to. Yep. But he is a sit He's not a great matchup against Baltimore this week. And barring another 75-yard run, he's looking at a possibility of not making double digits. So we move over to the wide receiver. My start wide receiver is going to be the guy that had a huge game last week, Chase Claypool against the Cleveland defense. I just feel like the Cleveland defense was, you know, really hasn't been able to stop much in the passing game. And I, I feel like... You know, they're going to feed the hot hand, and Chase Claypool is uh, is my start. You know, I'm going to go with Thielen. Same reasons I like Cousins. It's just a great matchup. It's a good situation. Uh, Thielen is one of the best wide receivers in football, probably top 10 in the league. Fire him away. My sit wide receiver is going to be Odell Beckham against the Pittsburgh defense. Same reason that we were talking about, you know, with Baker Mayfield. It's Odell, you know, against a very, very hard defense, and – you know, he's going to be the uh, the guy that they look for to stop, and, you know, they will stop him. I'm uh, I'm going to go with Cooks. I think he had a great week last week. I think it slows down big time this week. It's unfortunate the match was pretty bad. Uh, Cooks looked great, but um, I think this is a week he kind of cools off a little bit. Start tight end is going to be Mike Gesicki against the Jets defense. Really, I would love to start everybody in the Dolphins offense, but, you know, <laughs> You got to limit to it a little bit. So I'm going with uh, Mike Gesicki. You know, for me, it's going to be Hawkinson. Uh, This guy has been really, really good all year. Just probably the most low-key performances I've ever seen. But, you know, know, he's got a great matchup against Jacksonville. Jacksonville hasn't stopped really anybody as of late. They give up big games 
And I think Hawkinson's going to reap the most benefits. I know Galladay comes back. He gets a lot of the attention. I think Hawkinson reaps the benefits, especially in the red zone. A little birdie told us that we both picked the same sit tight end here. We're both picking Zach Ertz to sit. He can't be trusted to be in your starting lineup anymore. He's hurting more than helping. He's off to a slow start, and it's gotten worse each week. Through the five games, he has 20 receptions, 145 yards, and one touchdown, and that touchdown came in week one. And Baltimore this week is not even close to being a favorable matchup. Yeah, Ertz again, same thing as Miles Sanders. <clears throat> you know, Ertz is a, you know he's a premier tight end, and obviously tight end's very thin. Aside from the top four or five, it's it's really a huge drop off after that. But uh, unfortunately, I think uh, you know it's just I guess it's Baltimore D. It's just going to be too difficult for them to get the ball down the field, especially to, with the struggles that Philly's had. Yeah, going to the defense. My start defense is going to be the Rams against that San Francisco 49ers offense. I just, with San Francisco, Jimmy Garoppolo was benched last week. You know, you don't really, you can't really trust that offense over there. Who knows if Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, obviously he's probably going to start, but, you know, who knows what you're going to get. He just doesn't look good. I don't know if it's his ankle or he's just off with everything. It's just. It's miserable uh, with the 49ers with their injuries. So I'm going uh, Rams against the 49ers. I'm going to go with Dolphins. This is a team you could probably pick off the waiver wire right now <laughs> and to take it on the New York Jets to just stop that San Francisco running game. There's no way the Jets are going to run the ball in them. Fire away at the Dolphin defense. It's a good play. The sit defense now is going to be the Eagles. The Eagles had no answers for Ben Roethlisberger in the Pittsburgh passing attack last Sunday. They gave up 38 points, a new season high for that unit. Uh, The Steelers hadn't scored 30 or more points in a game since week 13 of the 2018 season. So right there, I should tell you, uh, the Eagles are not the the team to uh, be starting this week. Yeah, uh, for me, the sit... uh defense it was tough because <laughs> there's a lot of good defenses out there right now that they have pretty tough matchups this is a tough week in yeah. matchups but the Steelers defense I kind of am king on right here I don't think it's a good matchup I think they're gonna give up some points uh and I know they're one of the best in football and sometimes you feel like you have to start them at all costs mm-hmm. but uh yeah, no doubt the Steelers defense is someone you, you're not going to want to go with this week. So now we move over to the waiver wire pickup of the week. Waiver wire pickups. My waiver wire pickup is going to be Andy Dalton. He is owned in 0.4% of rosters right now. So he is the legit example of a waiver wire pickup. <laughs> Andy Dalton going with Dallas all the way, huh? Yep. Obviously, Claypool is the waiver pickup for me. I think, uh, you know, if, you, if he is still available, <laughs> slam dunk, got to pick this guy up and put him in your lineup right away. Yeah, he's rostered on 16%. Now we move over to Sleeper of the Week. Sleeper of the Week. Mine is Alexander Madison for the Vikings. No, we're going to go all Vikings here. I'm going to go Justin Jefferson. I think the Vikings, again, overall, I think they have a great week this week, a great matchup, and I think the whole team from front to end, including Madison as well, yeah. is going to do work. Yeah, so should we both go Skull? Skull. <laughs> <laughs> that will do it for our show this week. Another great week of football. We got Tuesday night football. There's nothing better than that, having a, a football game on a, a day that we're not, not going to have football. But we're not going to have any football on Thursday night, so you won't see our picks for Thursday night. But we have two Monday night games, so you'll see that. Again, we were 6-0 and this week, so you know maybe you want to <laughs> pay attention. Don't push me. <laughs> <laughs> that will do it for running up the score. 
I'm Jerry. I'm Kevin. Be breezy. Be breezy. And it is all over! You've been listening to Running Up the Score. We run up the score on Sports Radio.